The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the status of digital fraud. Joining us is Curtis Boyd, who is the founder of Objection.co, which is a team of software developers and reputation technologists that build technology to identify fake reviews for businesses and consumers using artificial intelligence. Yesterday, Curtis and I started off our conversation talking about the truth about fake reviews, whether you should or shouldn't be buying them. You shouldn't. And whether they work or not, they do. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about reputation hackers' secrets. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Curtis Boyd, founder of Objection.co. Curtis, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me here today. Excited to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about fake reviews. Everybody's kind of buying them. It's a huge industry. They help professional service providers, people that are selling products on Amazon, maybe even podcasters. But when you buy a fake review, maybe it helps you short term. It raises your risk profile. And at some point here, this all becomes a reputation game, right? The big risk, I'll put this in, you know, my terms is as a podcaster, if I go buy a bunch of fake reviews, maybe I get some downloads. But what happens if Apple takes me out of the podcast app store? Not great for my reputation. Also not great for the business. Talk to me about some of the reputation hacker secrets. How are people building, managing, and monitoring their reputation? There's kind of two angles at this reputation hacker stuff. The first is for building reputations positively, even though it's all synthetic and fake, at the end of the day, it's positive. Businesses essentially are saying, hey, I'm having a hard time getting my customers to write reviews. Normally, it's because of a lack of intention about providing an amazing experience. Honestly, like businesses who are really shelling out amazing experiences have no problem generating tons of reviews. So for those companies who just don't wanna muster the reputation fortitude really or being like intentional about providing an amazing customer experience they'd rather spend a few hundred bucks online and go buy some reviews and compete in their marketplace unfortunately more and more people who sell fake reviews they are starting to sell one star reviews for competitors so when you place an order for 20 or 30 positive five star reviews they're going to start saying hey how about one or two or three negative one star reviews for your competitors in your local market why don't we add that to the menu And they found out that they could actually charge a lot more for it. So 
they only charge 10 to 15 bucks for a fake Google review. Since I last checked yesterday on 20 different sites, they're charging 50 to $100 for a one-star review for your competitors. Because that's the equivalent of five negative reviews, right? If when you're given one star, you're taken off a star from four other reviews and anything under five stars looks bad. It's actually 11 to one. So for every one star review you get, you need 11 good ones to mitigate that damage. All right. So the bad guys, the guys that are selling the reviews, the synthetic content creators, they're charging a premium to help you denigrate your competition. That's one secret, a dirty one. Also, not very good for karma. What are some of the other reputation secrets, reputation hacker secrets? Well, there's a lot of clicking going on. Just as you said, like in podcasts yesterday, like you can enhance your rating by getting more downloads because that shows engagement, that shows interest. The same thing is happening in local listings where people will sell packages that include like synthetic clicks and synthetic traffic to try and drive more engagement on even listing sites like Google and Yelp to try and push people up. And it's a bit more benign than fake reviews itself, but it's still interesting to see people offering these tertiary services to try and manipulate these search engines and their algorithms to say, hey, these guys are more relevant and these guys are maybe a better fit for what you're searching for. So basically the synthetic marketing agencies are selling, if I drive a thousand clicks a day to your website, Google is going to take that as an indication that your website is popular, that it's providing a value service. So I'm going to boost you up the search rankings. I don't pretend to be like an SEO expert. I stay in my lane in reputation management. But from my understanding, when you have more people who search a particular keyword and click on a link, whether it's on a Google map, like in the first local pack, or if it's down below, that link becomes more relevant for that search. And that's how that algorithm's trained. I run an SEO podcast called The Voices of Search. And admittedly, I'm faking it a little bit because the guests are the real SEO experts. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. 
Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I'm just the guy that asked the questions, but my understanding is there's a lot of complexity about evaluating traffic. It's not only what the traffic is, what the volume is, but what's the time on site from that traffic, what's the source. So I think Google's pretty sophisticated in understanding if just general traffic volume is what should dictate search rankings. They probably look at natural language processing on the page more than they are the performance metrics. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The content and the relevancy of that content, as well as all like the meta titles and stuff, super important. And most people have Google Analytics installed in the back end too. So not only does Google see what happens on the front end on the search engine, but they get all the data as well into the back end so they can see what people are doing. Like, what is the average stay? What is the average length of someone's engagement on the site? So absolutely. But it's easy to understand how the positive works. But unfortunately, reputation hackers today also take another approach to businesses. They'll blindly leave you a fake one-star review. Maybe they'll do a few and then they'll contact you and they'll say, hey, if you don't transfer a half a Bitcoin to my account, we're going to keep hitting you and we're going to keep hitting you harder and harder. And it happens every single day to businesses nationwide here in the U.S., isn't half a Bitcoin like $25,000? I think it's less. I think now it's $16,000. Maybe it was $25,000 like two weeks. But by the time this published, who knows what yeah, it'll be. Right. So essentially, there is ranking and review blackmail where reputation hackers are coming in and saying, I see that you've got a sterling reputation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tarnish it until you pay me. That's right. And we see everything under the sun kind of happen in those terms. Every industry, especially the ones with maybe a little bit more money, the doctors, the lawyers, the professionals, especially the ones with really good ratings are the ones that care. And a lot of them, unfortunately, they pay because they want, they want it done and over with. They want them out of their lives. Whereas they could have gone to a Google My Business product expert. For those people who don't know, you could Google a phrase, meet our product experts. And there's a list of 20 people who are community members within Google My Business that are experts at saying, hey, Google, this is fake, please remove it. And they'll take it down same day. You don't have to pay a $15,000 Bitcoin fee. You can just reach out to the Google My Business community. So it's unfortunate that a lot of these companies are shelling out this type of cash. And then once they successfully do it, they go out and find more targets because it's a profitable business for them. All right. So you can leave your competition one-star reviews. You're obviously buying five-stars reviews for yourself. Hopefully you're not doing such a good job building your business up that the reputation hackers come after you and start leaving you bad reviews. There's also the notion of your personal reputation. When somebody creates content that is saying something you know negative or nefarious about you, what do you do when your personal reputation is on the line and somebody's writing content that isn't true or false, you know, actually impacting not your business, but you as a person? There's two cases I'd like to talk about. One of them, just a few weeks ago, we had a girl call us and she had recently broken up with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend worked in tech and him and all of his buddies wrote a nasty review for the company that the girl worked at. It had nothing to do with the business. It was all personal, right? So this big company, mind you, is a big HR company went from a 4.2 star to about 2.7, and it did impact their sales. I mean, and being a Fortune 1000 company, it was like, what the heck is going on? Why is our business impacted because of someone's personal problems? 
we were able to get in there and work with a Google My Business expert and get everything taken off. But this girl's personal life, like she was about to get fired. She was about to lose her job and her life was about to be ruined because of reviews that her ex had left for her, not as consumer experiences, but as, hey, this girl is, you know, it was ridiculous. Let's take a moment to talk to the guy who's leaving fake reviews for his ex-girlfriend. Buddy, you're a dirtbag. <laughs> you didn't deserve her. Move on. Think about the error of your ways and go bury your head in the sand. Moving on. <laughs> what was the second example that you had about someone managing their personal reviews? So now let's say someone goes on and decides to write a Medium article about you, right? Just a blog. This happened to a friend of mine where some guy in high school wrote an essay about her and published it on a blog post. And when you would Google her name, it would come up with this just terrible made up story about her and she couldn't get it taken down. It was just, you know, it was up in Google and that was just her first page result. There's three things you can do when it comes to unwanted Google results, right? The most famous is like a push down campaign where you create content to try and outrank it based on keywords. So you type in a keyword, that unwanted listing comes up, you want to outrank it, right? So that's kind of a push down service. The second thing, which is a bit harder, is a de-index campaign where you fill out forms to Google saying, this URL has no business being indexed for this keyword. And this is my explanation of why. In Europe, they have the thing called the right to be forgotten. It's taken place also in Canada and you can fill it out. In the US, it's not so much of a thing and it's a lot harder to get. And there's also a lot of lawsuits that are filed as John Doe so that the courts will award a certain company. What happens is these companies, they'll file lawsuits against John Doe. It was like a nobody, right? It's this unknown person mm -hmm. and they'll win. They'll take that lawsuit to Google and then Google has to remove that link. So that's another way people are getting away with it. I got a tough one for you. There's this guy, Ben Shapiro, that's running around using my name, and he's a political podcaster, and he happens to be much more popular than I am. So whenever you Google my name, his face shows up. How do we bury that guy? <laughs> I don't know Ben Shapiro, but... There's like the second biggest podcaster in the world. One of the maybe top 10 is a guy named Ben Shapiro. So he's always trending on Twitter. And so I check Twitter and my name is trending. And it's this guy <laughs> that is like a right-wing Republican conservative. I don't give a shit what his politics are. I just want my name back. Right. He's a political commentator and he's very controversial. And he happens to use my name as well. Oh, man. We were talking about this the other day. It's tough. I think just by staying in your lane in the B2B space, hopefully people can make the distinction, making sure the branding is totally separate, right? Everything that I do is written Benjamin Shapiro and the brand is Ben J. Shap. Yeah. But my mother-in-law Googles Ben Shapiro when she's looking yeah. for me. Yeah. People that just meet you for the first time also, you know, and trying to do diligence on you are going to find this guy who may or may not be involved with QAnon. <laughs> That's another point. But the last part is what's called a 404 campaign or a DMCA notice filing. And what that does is you're essentially telling the internet regulators that, hey, this listing is violating my intellectual property by using my name, this and that. And you're basically making a case to have that URL at the hosting level. So the DMCA controls regulatory hosting companies like GoDaddy, Bluehost, all these big guys. And they'll send a notice to them and they won't host that URL anymore. It gets totally shut down. That's like what happened to all the Trump blogs is that there were DMCA notices when the 
again, we're bringing up politics and right or left, I don't care. (laughs) But there was the conservative movement that was trying to give the president a voice after he had been taken off of some of the social media campaigns. And there was the social media platform Signal, which basically got their domain pulled. Yeah, I think those are the most normally used methods for removing content, legitimate or illegitimate. Those methods are used for both. That's one of the reasons why I like reviews. It exists in a single source, whereas a Google search result can have a million and one results, whereas reviews exist in the same places and you know the rules of those places. It's fascinating to think about how your reputation not only can be manufactured by buying something like reviews, but it can also be hindered by some of the same companies that are producing those fake reviews. Stay out of this lane. It's not worth doing. Go build your reputation. Go build your business on your own. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Curtis Boyd, founder of Objection.co, for joining us. In the third part of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Curtis and I are going to talk about the status of digital fraud in America in 2021. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Curtis, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Databoyd, D-A-T-A-B-O-Y-D. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Objection.co, C-O, not .com. Also, they have a consumer website. If you're interested in finding out whether a business has legitimate reviews or not, you can go to askfortransparency.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.